I'm Darren. And this is Lauren. Welcome to the Lone Star Cyber Podcast. Well, hey there, everyone, and this is another round of the Lone Star Cyber Podcast. We're really excited to be back with y'all and actually dive into some cybersecurity you know, concepts. So um, I actually wanted to kick this one off to Darren today, having done a couple of panels with him before and knowing, I mean, so many areas of expertise. But, you know, to kick off us talking about cyber, I think that a topic that comes up a ton in conversations that I'm part of is this concept of cyber resiliency, right? And so certainly I have some ideas about it, but let's, you know, make sure that everyone starts off with what's your take on, you know, what does that actually mean? Um, where should organizations potentially start, you know, on this journey to become more resilient against these cyber threats they're facing? You know, it's one of those concepts that folks hear about, you know, whether it's through marketing or you know, there was a whole, whole company called Resilience for a while. And quite frankly, resilience is not something you can go out and buy. It's something that you do. It's, it's really, you know, the academics like to call it an emergent property. It emerges from the things that you do, kind of like health, right? You exercise, you eat well, you tend to be more healthy. Same thing with resilience. It becomes about the processes. It becomes about the things that you do. And fundamentally, where you're starting with that is with the business, right? The IT folks, cybersecurity folks, oftentimes you know, go directly to the technologies, go directly to the data. But oftentimes what we really need to focus on is what business objectives are you trying to secure, right? Why? are you doing certain things as an organization? And that's where you really start to focus on the critical services you provide as an organization. So if you're in the water business, maybe it's water purification, right? Banking, transaction processing. There's multiple things that you do that you need to have be resilient. And so when you think about it that way and start focusing on the priorities, the cybersecurity problem and the cyber resilience problem starts to shrink a little bit more. Not a lot, but a little bit more. You can focus your effort and, and focus your talent on the things that really matter. Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm a definitions girl. I often will like want to make sure what's the actual definition of this. And so for that, often look to NIST, right? And so uh, I, I want to say NIST defines cyber resilience as the ability to anticipate withstand, respond to, and adapt from, right, a, a cyber incident that you're up against. And I think that what you just laid out so well aligns with that life cycle, but it's interesting because when I think of the word resilience just in life, it's very reactionary to me. And maybe that's just my interpretation of the word, but it's very much like something happened, what's your ability to bounce back from it? And really in life also though, your ability to bounce back from it is, well, what foundation did you set ahead of time, right? Um, and that's absolutely true in, in cyber too, right? And I think what's maybe missing though, as we think through that life cycle is what you hit on is, well, when you talk about withstanding, responding to and adapting, it has to be tied to that end state goal of like, what are our business outcomes? What is our mission that we're needing to accomplish? and constantly, constantly measuring to and tying back to that 
that's exactly the the approach that I usually take. And I, I think the the next step, right, when you when you get to the point where you understand what your business needs are, then you can start looking at at, at dividing things up into into different categories of assets that you need to focus on. So if you think about people, information, technology, and facilities, if you break it out that way and say, what facilities support this service? What people support this service? What technology and what information? And then you can put objectives around that to say, okay, I need my people to be trustworthy, right? I need my people to be trained. You start defining things that way, and then you can actually track that over time and document. So when you understand those assets, then you can start to apply controls to them. So training would be a control for people, right? Making sure that they are, they know what they need to do. And when you, when you take a look at the controls that you're trying to apply, then they also become measurable if you have those clear objectives. I'll give you a simple example. If you're talking about, again, people, right? You want to hire, let's say your control objective is to hire people who are trustworthy. That's a great objective. You would put certain things in place to measure that prior to the person coming in, right? But if you change that objective slightly and say, I want people to be trustworthy when I hire them and remain so over time, you add other layers of controls once they're on board. So understanding the objective helps you actually define what you are going to accomplish and then it makes it more measurable. So what would you suggest to, whether it's the actual like SecOps practitioners or maybe some of the leaders of those organizations, like if they don't feel like they have good lines of comms with the business owners, because I do feel like that's a challenge that organizations are also often facing, right? Is that, and this gets into another topic I'm sure we could do a separate you know, conversation about, is where IT and certainly security is often viewed as a hindrance mm -hmm. to the business instead of an enabler to the mission, right? And so, you know, do you have any kind of ready suggestions or, you know, best practices for how security organizations can help to champion and, and break down some of those divides? So on the, the funding thing, uh, the funding piece, uh, in terms of it being a, a, a cost center rather than a business enabler, is really kind of an attitude that we fundamentally need to change in terms of you know, how leadership understands cybersecurity. There have been several products out now that, that start driving the conversation towards leadership, recognizing that cybersecurity is a priority. But if you're not speaking in terms of the business objectives, if you're talking about what type of firewall you're going to be deploying and, and, and telling them about all the cool features that it has, you're probably missing the boat, right? You need to talk about the actual outcomes in terms of business functions and business objectives so that they understand, wait a second, this is actually tied to you know, what's going on in the business. A lot of times that conversation is going to have to happen with the, the risk side of the house. If you have a risk manager or a risk function, they're going to start be a really good place to understand these are risks that we actually now have to start paying attention to. Another way to potentially address this is through if you have a business continuity or a service continuity function within the organization. The reason why I say that is because they are very good at tracking assets. 
right? Their job is to reconstitute after the fact. They are going to know probably what, the, what needs to be reconstituted. So they're going to have a great set of asset management products and probably best practices that you can leverage on the, the cybersecurity side already ready-made. You just need to add a few, you know, a few columns to the spreadsheet potentially. You know, and this makes me think, and this is taking us off on a slight tangent from the resiliency conversation, but when we talk about, you know, empowering folks on the business side to understand the impact of cybersecurity on what they're trying to accomplish, you know, and it's not just the leaders, because I think back, you know, at the end of the day, who you're probably most worried about is just not that malicious insider threat type of user, but just that not thinking about it, opens the attachment, clicks on the link, does something they shouldn't, right? And so at the end of the day, you know, the challenge around cybersecurity is that everyone's got a system, right? Everyone is touching the network. And so the onus and that responsibility has to extend down to those individuals, but we have to help them understand that, hey, when you're having to do this extra multi-factor authentication when you're having to take these extra steps it's not because we don't want you to be empowered to be able to access you know the systems and, and get your job done as efficiently as possible it's because this is actually ultimately ensuring those efficiencies and continuity right by by protecting the organization that's exactly right and if if you look at um, the carnegie mellon sci software engineering institute's resilience management model it's essentially what most of the world's largest banks are using to secure their organizations and become resilient over time. And training is a huge part of that. It's the technical training for the people, you know, putting their hands on keyboards, so to speak, and then the, the awareness training for all of the other end users, you know, USB keys and, and you know, those types of things, like helping them understand the risks. And, you know, you mentioned something earlier that just kind of brought me back to, you know, under, helping the organization understand that it is a risk that needs to be managed and needs to be tracked and needs to be measured. And if you have a mature risk management process, they're going to understand once you start speaking English and not leak, right? They're going to start understanding, wait a second, there's a business risk here. Might be reputational risk, right? From the executive doing the wrong thing or or the end user doing the wrong thing. I mean, ransomware is, is, is a huge deal now and probably for the foreseeable future. That locks up your network, but now the ransomware operators are threatening to expose the data, which provides further reputational risk. It's one thing to be shut down, and there can be real significant consequences there, as we saw in some pipeline incidents. But there's also that reputational risk of you're not taking care of my data and, oh, by the way, look at all these emails between the executives, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it also, it, it actually makes me think of this analogy, and I can't take credit for this. Shout out to Chris Schreiber, who was a former colleague of mine at FireEye. But, you know, I think that as organizations are maturing in their cybersecurity journeys, and this gets a little bit into zero trust, and I'd love to get your take on, on zero trust architectures also, but, you know, we used to approach cybersecurity as very much that castle, right? So you had the moat and you had the drawbridge and the army outside, but if someone penetrated the castle, they got past your, well now next-gen firewalls and intrusion prevention systems that were at the perimeter, they're kind of in, right? And what we need to get to be is much more like a museum where you actually understand 
what the value is of the assets that you have and you do protections accordingly, right? I mean, I, I've seen the Mona Lisa, like you couldn't get close to that thing, right? Um, and there are still protections at the perimeter, right? There's still screening and there are guard, there are all sorts of stuff, but there's really the money and the investments and the focus and the monitoring and the visibility is around the assets themselves. And I think, you know, especially with the adoption of cloud, a lot of things that are happening in organizations are helping, and actually with COVID and the move to remote work, I think things have kind of accelerated the necessity for adoption of more of that kind of model. What do you think? Absolutely, and uh, beyond the ZTA, side, you know, NSA, CISA, like it's, it's, it's very much a best practice. Um, you know, the, the challenge becomes for the organization trying to implement it. Um, frankly, a lot of the organizations that I've seen over the years aren't even doing the basic blocking and tackling. Um, they're not, you know, they're not, not keeping their logs. They don't understand how long they want to keep their logs or even sometimes how long they're required to keep their logs in some cases. So, you know, going from zero to hero is, is going to be a, a fairly significant process and uh, you know, the, the investments in order to drive that uh, really need to be made at the board level. Um, you know, we hear a lot of stories about, you know, I got my cybersecurity budget after I got hit by ransomware and we had to rebuild our network. Okay, um, you know, let's, as a as a society and as a, a cybersecurity community and a business community, we really need to get beyond that type of approach and, and again, fundamentally understanding the risk. Yeah, well, and that gets back to, as we were talking about, how do you define resiliency too, right? Because as the industry is absolutely moving into this extended detection and response, right, you have to have that visibility in place first, right? It's not just about the respond piece. It is absolutely about what we're doing preventatively and to detect and respond and then adapt, you know, in hopefully real time. Yeah, and, and I've been working on an assessment for a while now on um, incident management. And the first question set, I looked at it and I said, you know, something's missing here, right? And I, I, I started thinking about it and I was like, there's nothing about detection in here, right? And so many times with incident response, we're, you know, we assume that you know, some red flashing light goes off and, oh no, I have to respond. But there, the whole detection piece, you know, the old statistic from the Verizon data breach report that was you know, how long, this is how long it takes to, you know, six months to detection. They've been on your network for six months, so you know, that's kind of an issue. Actually, interesting point as we discussed ransomware. I think on the whole, we've actually seen that kind of dwell time, right? The time from attacker on network to actually detected that the attacker was there. That's really gone down, but I actually don't know if that's a reflection of the fact that we're getting a lot better at that, but also that the threat has changed, right? The idea with ransomware is not for them to covertly be, you know, snooping around on the network for a very long time. Obviously, there's a bit of that as they're, you know, figuring out where things are and, and, and you know, how they're going to do the damage in, in the right way uh, to be the most exploitive. But, you know, it's fast and they let you know, right, that it happened. That's absolutely right. And, you know, it has gotten better, but I think those numbers are an average, right? It's, it's a lot of folks are getting better at it. A lot of folks, maybe not. Um, but, you know, tightening that OODA loop, really, the, you know, observe, orient, decide and act, 
you know, that needs to be a lot better with, with, with most organizations. And, and, you know, frankly, you know, there are federal agencies and states and, um, you know, ISACs that are helping organizations really do that and do it well. Uh, but, you know, really being able to focus on kind of tightening that up a little bit with partnership uh, is uh, maybe a topic for another day. So, you know, and, you know, from previous things that we've, we've talked before, how I always cite that kind of five-step process from Center for Internet Security, which I'll, which I'll share here, you know, uh, in a moment. But what, what are your takes on kind of where could you even start to wrap your head around this, right? Like what should you go and do first? <sighs> you know, it's, it's part of the challenge in especially, you know, we'll take maybe the state and local community or uh, smaller businesses is just having the talent and the time dedicated to, to monitor, right, to, to manage the logs. And, and, you know, a lot of the event monitoring systems out there are dramatically expensive, like crazy expensive. Um, so, and, and there are plenty of solutions where you can go out and, and maybe uh, kind of roll your own. Uh, but that takes talent, that takes time, that takes process that a lot of these organizations don't have. And so whether it's going to kind of a managed security model where you're, you know, trying to at least, you know, outsource some of the talent needed to reduce your risk, because you're not outsourcing the risk, you're outsourcing the talent ultimately. Uh, but again, there's a lot of providers that do that and are, are, are very good at it. Uh, but it still needs to have the attention and the priority of the executives to make sure that their needs are being met over time, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that executive buy-in is absolutely everything. And it goes back to what we were talking about, too, about really you have to be able to translate what we're dealing with in this cyber world into something that will resonate with, with that business executive, right? Um, and, I mean, I saw that on active duty, right? You, you definitely have, and to be fair, uh, you know, the, the captain of a ship, they've got a whole lot of things going on, right? A, let's say it's a carrier. Their, their primary mission, right, is around carrier aviation. Right? Running an airport. That's what they're doing, right? Um, and so the concerns, not that they aren't concerned about cybersecurity, but the prioritization and just the, you know, um, challenges around getting that attention and then that feedback down the chain right to say yeah. this is really important um and it absolutely matters but just on some of that blocking and tackling i'll just throw it out there um that i really love 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 this um it's really forced it's cheating five steps because the fifth steps repeat so it's really only four steps of some of that blocking and tackling that uh, has stuck with me for many years right Count, configure, control, patch, repeat. And that's not the, like, the super mature security model in the world that we live in, but when you think about, you know, what are some of the basics that we really need to start to wrap our heads around and something that we can build out in a programmatic and repeatable way that's standardized, I think that's imp an important approach, right, um, that we think about knowing our networks, understanding our assets, that ties back into then how, if you don't know what you got, right, how do you even start that process of understanding what's critical to the business? Asset management is the basics. Yep, there you go. So, well, on that note, I think that's probably a good, uh, good, good way to end it. Asset management, doing the basics, 
Um, and, you know, as you mentioned, there's that repetition too, that maturity and that cyclical nature. So thank you all for joining. Uh, have a fantastic day.